Desmond fakes a handoff, runs to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! Desmond Ritter flying 40 yards! 20, 25, for the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards! To the house! Ball poked away by DeJulius. Diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett. Fires ahead to Adams Woods. DeJulius for three. Good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight. It is a nip at night. Knockout. And the fans are beginning to charge the field here at Nippert Stadium. Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message the college football world, did you see that? Hello listeners, new and old, welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Viva La Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats week in and week out. Make sure to check us out on Twitter at VivaLaCatsPod and follow us on Spotify, Apple Pods, or wherever you listen. And also make sure to check out at UC Uniforms for all the up-to-date UniTracker info from Steve. Now we're going to get right into the start of what has happened since our bonus episode this weekend. Um, the Bearcats just had the CFP, uh, CFP ranking release where we were put at number four. Uh, still holding after this past week in the same position. Uh, Michigan jumped up to number two, as well as Ohio State sliding to seventh and looking completely out of the picture, with Oklahoma State at five and Notre Dame at six. So the picture really hasn't changed too much for us, but it does put us in a pretty strong position looking into the final week of the season before bowl selections are made. So, Steve, how do you feel about where we sit right now at number four? Win and we're in, baby. Win and we're in. That's all it is. And I think we, all, all we need to do is just play our game on Saturday. And I think all we need really is just Georgia to win. And I think we're good to go. So I just, it's weird to feel this confident about this process at this point, just because um, I think a couple other things helped us more than we might know. And I, th- I think there's only one really thing that need, two things that need to happen. We win on Saturday. And uh, Michigan loses. Oh, no, sorry. Or uh, Alabama loses on Saturday. And I think we're good to go. I think we move up to three. And then Michigan will stay at two. And Oklahoma State will move up to four. So uh, I think that sets up an interesting matchup for the Bearcats. Now, we'll make sure it happens. But as long as that holds, then I think we've got a good chance to be at that number three spot on New Year's Eve playing uh, against Michigan, Ohio State's hated rival, um, I'm just excited for that because I don't know how Michigan fans treat other Ohio schools. Like I remember <laughs> a couple of years ago, they uh, just kept calling uh, OU Ohio um, <laughs> in uh, the NCAA tournament when they played them because I guess that's kind of their way of crossing out the M's is just calling Ohio State Ohio. I, I don't <laughs> I don't really get that. I, I, I don't really think that's a, that's that crazy or funny or mean. But oh well. I would be very interested in that, though. So, Justin, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, I really like where we're sitting right now. Honestly, I think it puts us in a good position. Um, 
with Alabama still being fringe, I do have a bit of concern about them still being at third, especially after the game that they had against Auburn. Um, I think they get too much credit for that kind of win. Um, and of course, this is something that I talked about a while ago too, about you know penalizing loss or penalizing winning, uh, which we obviously don't want to do. But at the same time, I think Cincinnati's resume as of the past few weeks looks stronger than Alabama's even with their wins. There's just not a I, I'm still stuck on that four OT win. I mean it's it's just it was a stretch against an injured QB. And I really would have liked to see us move up to three. But I am still happy with where we're at. We're in the picture, which is the important part. And that's what we really have to focus on. Um and I do like the potential matchup with Michigan. Um I think it gives us a good shot. I think they looked really, really good against Ohio State, but I think that I've also seen some other things from Michigan as well that make me feel um, comfortable enough to play them without being concerned. Um, I think, of course, what we would probably be most worried about would be playing Georgia. Um, but to the same point, we have you know we have prior experience with Georgia, and again, these teams could be very different. Uh, but at the same time, if there's anything that's proven over the past year, it's that these teams are very much the same, and that's why we're in this position now. So, um, like I said, I like where we're at. Um, I think the only real nightmare scenario that we have to avoid is Alabama beating Georgia. As you said, as long as Georgia takes care of business, we should be fine. Um, and you you honestly never know. Oklahoma State could slip up. Even Michigan could slip up. Um, in the championship games that they have this weekend. And if Michigan were to slip up and Georgia takes care of business, since he could even jump to two, that sounds a little wild, but I really don't see how either team that Oklahoma State would be playing or Michigan would be playing um, would have enough leverage to jump into the top four from where they sit. I just don't see that as a possibility. So if both of those teams were to, you know, screw up, I think we have a potential to move up into that two spot um but i don't really think there's going to be a difference in positioning between two and three um it's really just the battle between three and four and i think all of us would rather have the four and play georgia and the cfp if you know all saying that we would hopefully win that first game so i like where we're at and i think that this is a good spot for us to kind of hang our hat on um and then really just look forward to playing houston um but with all that said, there's a lot that happened, too, um, since just this weekend, uh, specifically overnight. Um, we're going to, we're, we're, we're going to quick, quickly see how the coaching carousel uh, world of chaos ensues so quickly, because I think if we were talking about, like, uh, I don't know, 10 a.m. yesterday, I feel like I was pretty comfortable. And then 4 p.m. slips around, and I started getting nervous. And like 10 p.m. slips around, and I think everybody's head's on fire. So, Steve, if you want to give us a little uh, breakdown, what exactly happened? <laughs> because all of us are in a little bit of panic mode right now. Uh, well, everything just went to hell in a handbasket. So uh, yeah. that's all I need to say. No, uh, right after we recorded on Sunday in the middle of the Bengals game, uh, it was reported that... Uh, USC was taking a swing at Lincoln Riley. Um, usually when someone says, uh, you know, they're talking to or they're interested in, it could mean, oh, they're trying to, the coach is trying to get a raise. It could just be like a right. bad source. Uh, usually a big name like that is not really uh, interested in moving big jobs. So uh, it was 
kind of surprising when the tweet came down later is like uh, the, the thing here is the use of the word targeting. Um, and this is a, a good thing in the coaching world, a bad thing on the football field. Yes. Is uh, Pete Thamel, who's written numerous articles about the Bearcats this year. If uh, you don't know him, go ahead and follow him. I have his tweet notifications on right now, just in case anything happens. Yeah. Um, but uh, he was the one that reported the news about Fickle staying uh, in early 2020 and not taking the Michigan State job. Um, he's also the one that has done a lot of good UC reporting. So if anything were to happen, uh, for UC fans, I would suggest – uh, following him and keeping up to date with what he's saying. Um, but anyway, he tweeted on Sunday afternoon that uh, USC has targeted Lincoln Riley to be its next head coach. And then um, by the end of the day, uh, Lincoln Riley was on a plane out to LA with our old friend, Mike Bone. So kind of crazy. It seemed like uh, the agent reached out first. Uh, it seemed like Lincoln was not very happy with his current situation. And it was kind of weird too, because I don't know if I, uh, there were some rumors that USC was interested in Campbell, uh, Matt, uh, yeah. from Matt, Matt Campbell from Iowa State. There was also some rumors that Lincoln Riley was interested in LSU, but he mm-hmm. responded to that saying, "Look, uh, um, in his post game press conference on Saturday night, saying, "Look, guys, I'm not going to be the head coach at LSU." Turns out we weren't asking him the right questions. Yeah. We, we should have just asked him, "Where are you going to be the head coach at?" And he would have just said no comment, and everything would have yeah. spiraled. So yeah. uh, as the basically as the press conference for Lincoln Riley is happening on Monday afternoon in Los Angeles, uh, some word comes out that uh, Notre Dame ha- is in advanced talks. No, sorry, LSU is in, in advanced talks with Notre Dame's Brian Kelly to become its next head coach. And apparently this news broke just as Brian Kelly was leaving uh, recruits house with some assistant coaches. Uh, what a shame. I know. What a right? shame. Just as he walked out the door, uh, the news broke. Seems like Bearcat fans have had a little uh, experience with that before. Not to, <clears throat> uh, not to mention anything that's happened in the past, but uh, and then it was made official this morning. The whole thing. Uh, now, Justin, I'm of a football mind. Like I, I understand the team meeting thing. Like yeah. people usually have team meetings that early because. If you have practice in the afternoon, most kids, uh, most of the student athletes, I'm uh, podcasting as a visual medium, Justin, and I'm using my <laughs> hand quotation marks to say student athletes. Um, yeah. They are, they have class in the morning so that the team can have practice in the afternoon. So not out of the realm of possibility that most of those guys would have had to be up anyway for eight o'clock or nine o'clock classes. Um, right. So I don't think it's that bad as people make it out to be. And I think that's just kind of football player nature too, that you're going to go, you're just going to go wherever the team needs you. So like uh, as a, the meeting apparently only took two minutes and uh, he was seen walking out of his car right before 7 a.m. and leaving at uh, 7, 11 a.m. And he was on a flight back to Baton Rouge. And what's crazy to me is that it's obviously a play to win national championships and Brian Kelly, like he's done before, uh, felt like he couldn't win a national championship at his old school, so he moved on to a new one. I saw a stat, Justin, that over the past 30 years, there have been 12 instances of 11 in his final season at the helm 
of a Power 5 AQ automatic qualifier school. Of those 12 are Brian Kelly leaving Cincinnati for Notre Dame, and Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame for LSU. Tells you about the character of a certain man uh, who used to be at a Catholic institution and is now at a public institution once again. Um, <laughs> there were some stories being dredged up today about how much he was kind of not a good guy back in the day. Um, and I think it's just kind of reap what you sow. So yep, I'm not really worried about him anymore. I've kind of given up on him after a while and I guess I wish all the best for him, but and there's no good way to be leaving a job anymore, especially a coaching job. Now, right. for normal people like us, we just put in our two weeks and call it a day. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, you know, for other people, like for coaches, I think there's no good way to do it other than like trying to leave after the season. Or yeah, uh, it's just tough though because of the recruiting class and the early signing period and stuff, all of these things are going to happen even earlier and earlier. And I feel bad for the players. I feel bad for the assistant coaches who don't know if they're going or if they're staying. Former UC cornerback coach, Mike Mickens was on that Notre Dame staff for the past couple of years. And he doesn't know if he's going to have a job next year at Notre Dame or at LSU. So right. it's kind of mostly just these head coaches just moving and I feel bad for them. Yeah, and I think the thing too that like I really am starting to starting to like I guess just ask myself but really ask the whole NCAA in general is like is it best for a coach to do what Brian Kelly did or is it best to just wait till the end of the season because ultimately if you wait even longer like you said I mean recruits that gives them a shorter timetable that gives your it makes your um, school and your team and your athletic association or your athletic department start to scramble. And so I'm wondering if that like is honestly one of those things where it's just like, a, it's not like you want it, but it's the best thing for you right now. Um, if you're going to do it anyways. Um, but I do have to say with the LSU job, I really don't see how um, Kelly could have at least waited to see what, you know, sure. Leaving the bowl game and the bowl game is going to be probably for them, like the peach bowl. Um, but if there's some chaos this weekend, which I mean, you have, if Bama's, if Bama's out and say Michigan or Oklahoma state slips up like, or, or God forbid, if you know, you see were to do that, Notre Dame is in like, it's, that's, there's no question about that. Like they're right on the edge right now. And so I just think it's really shitty of him to do it again. But at the same time, I, I understand the move. It's just, it sucks. And uh, But of course, of if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Brian Kelly. Um, but I, I really think the interesting part that some people were talking about, um, I looked into it a little bit more too, but like, I would really think that the USC job would have, clearly Brian Kelly was looking to move. Um, he just didn't get it done at Notre Dame as two or at least the championship didn't get to the <clears throat> finally winning on that level. He just never got that done at Notre Dame. And I think, you know, a lot of people have said like he reached his ceiling there. And so clearly he was looking for a way out. And I, I don't, I wouldn't even say that it was probably this year. He's probably been thinking about it for a while. Um, it's just this year, there happened to be a plethora of jobs to open up. Um, but I, I find it really interesting that he took LSU um, because at least from my perspective, as long as Saban is in 
uh, is at Alabama, it's going to be difficult. No matter how good your recruiting is at LSU, no matter who you are, it's going to be difficult to get that program on track to be um, contending to beat Alabama year in and year out as long as Saban's there. Um, but maybe, you know, he's banking on Saban retiring. I mean, Saban's, what, in his 70s now? Uh, yeah, I think Saban is uh, 71. I will fact check that for you. But yeah, yeah I, the, the thing it, to me is I saw someone say this over the weekend that uh, Nick Saban has kind of broken the industrial complex of coaching and college football right now. And he's at a level of success that is just unprecedented at any point in our history yeah. other than maybe UCLA winning all those titles under John Wooden in basketball, but right. that's basketball. That's not football. Uh, yeah. Uh, Saban is 70. Um, I realized 70. over the weekend that he is Catholic, by the way. So if Notre Dame Nick ever Saban. wanted uh, to hire <laughs> someone, uh, maybe call the old Nicky boy and see what he wants to do, you know? Yeah. And um, I, well, I think one, th- one other thing though, too, that I thought was um, interesting also to that point is I think you can see why Riley went for the USC move too. I mean, Riley, of course, is younger, but I, and, you know, maybe he just likes the idea of USC more, but I think it's a strategic move for him as well because, you know, USC is a very storied job. It has a lot of controversy that surrounds it. There's plenty of, you know, storylines there regardless, but it's a position where he can turn a program around. Um, and LSU would be, how can we get back up to where we just were when we just won the you know championship? And so I thought it was really interesting that Riley decided to go to USC, but I think it's to the same point of what I just said about Brian Kelly, is why would he A, stay at Oklahoma, where he can go to the SEC West when they moved to the SEC and get his ass kicked by Nick Saban and gang for you know however many years to come? And then why would he go to LSU, which is going to be putting him in the exact same position, except he's going to have to hit the restart button. Um, so I don't, I really don't even know why he, his name was ever in conversation for LSU, because if he was going to leave Oklahoma, he's not going to go somewhere else. that's going to put him in the exact same position. It's literally just pushing. It's giving him two more years to try to hit reset. And I don't see how Oklahoma would be any less of a contender or any less strong recruiting wise than LSU would be. Uh, for the same points. So I don't know. That was, that was my two cents about that though, too, because I, I just, I, I thought that that was kind of weird that he had so much push um, for the LSU position at first, but you know, it'll be interesting too, to see how he does at USC. I mean, who wouldn't want to go to the back pack 12 and beat the shit out of everybody else in there? Because that conference is not as good as people try to make it seem really just the CF, not even the CFP. People try to make it look that, like it's Power 5. It's not. <laughs> the American is stronger than the Pac-12. I will fight you to the death on that if you disagree. Um, so, Justin, uh, I don't know. Are you old enough to remember like um, what USC was like when they were really good? And like the, Do you remember that 2006 Rose Bowl at all? Very vaguely. Very, very vaguely. I know you're a little bit younger than me, but I do remember like kids talking about it back in the day at um, like you know, around the lunch table and stuff. And I didn't, I wasn't one that got uh, allowed to stay up late enough to watch, uh, probably watch them or watch that game because it was on a school night. But um, I just, I just recognize like how cool that job used to be. And 
and it came up at a perfect time too when Dodgers, Lakers, Clippers, like everybody was down. And um, mm-hmm. you know, and I think the other thing too is that now all of those teams are back up, and we don't really know what ha- what will happen with USC. It could obviously be another team, but they have a, a pro team there now with the Rams and the Chargers and. There's yeah. definitely uh, a lane for them. I'm just interested to see how it goes, but uh, they they should be a lot of fun with Lincoln at the helm. So, yeah. I, I think just an interesting time right now to be a college coach, just because I feel like you are you know you're asked to do an impossible job, but then when you're like, okay, I've done all I can do here, uh, let me move on. People think you're like. Uh, you're like quitting or you're moving on and or you're like not not being real with them and i think there's something to that but i think there's also just the thing where eventually in all of our lives we are like I've done this long enough where i feel like i've accomplished all i can accomplish here and i can keep moving on and uh people don't like to hear that obviously but i mean people you know, sure people... as hell didn't want to hear it with mick yeah and yeah, mike and... Owen said the same thing too when he went to usc his right. exact words are "I've reached my ceiling," which and is bullshit. But regardless, I, well, I agree. I and I don't like when people say that just because, like, I just think that's a little bit of an excuse. I th- I think if you just say like, "Hey, I like you know, I just want to try something else." Like, I like have loved everything I've done here, and I'm just ready for a different challenge. I think that's different than saying I've done all I can do here. Like, absolutely. Uh, like just on the field, obviously neither of them got it done by winning the winning the whole thing. But who knows? Maybe they'll win it at their new schools or something. Um, but so, Justin, uh, do we want to talk about the bad part of this? That is, yeah, yeah, which uh, we haven't happened. even touched yet, which is kind of yeah. crazy because we focus so much on just everything else that has happened in this coaching carousel. Um, the side effect of Notre Dame losing their head coach is now. Like I said, I it was if it wasn't in the bonus episode, it was in the SMU episode. Who is at the top of every single person's list? Just just tell me. Who 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 is it? Uh our head coach Luke Fickle. Absolutely. And so everybody else is going to gun for that guy. And now, of course, and I saw somebody else tweet, I don't remember who it was, but it it was funny because it was just like Something along the lines of um, every time Cincinnati goes for uh, national championship hopes that same year, a shit ton of jobs open up and the head coaching carousel, you know, becomes absolute chaos. And it's I mean, it's true because, you know, we had the same thing happen with Brian Kelly. And now we're looking at the same problem with Luke Fickle. And and the, the worst part about it, I think I think we would all be we would all be relieved if it was literally anybody but Notre Dame. And I think it's just that one of those storied programs that has a lot of history, that has a lot of opportunity, that has a strong fan base, that has a lot of people that care. And of course, there's already pieces right there, and it's not that far away. And, you know, it sucks because we're looking at the exact same exact same picture that we looked at at that point in time, except we're not being, I guess, blindsided quite yet. Um, we, when the Notre Dame job opened up, I mean, I, what, I don't even remember how old I was. I was probably 
what, 10, 11, something like that, when Brian Kelly left. And so looking at that now is just like, I don't remember what that atmosphere was like when that job opened up, but it feels like hell as a fan because you know what it is in its value. And it's so hard for a coach to just say no. And the real question is, is how much, not, not does, how much does Luke Fickle value the Notre Dame job, but how much does Luke Fickle value the potential of the Cincinnati job? And how much does he see in that stake in the Big 12? How much does he see with recruiting in the Big 12? How much does he see in the future couple coming years with the Big 12 and with Cincinnati? And if he doesn't see that value as being matched, and he sees that he can do more as an like independent coach, then there's it's gonna be. <laughs> I mean, we'll see we'll see what happens there. But it it it's not fun right now uh, as a Bearcat fan because we're just in this uh, tumultuous torture chamber for the next however long, and this could literally drag out to the end of the season. And I have to believe that if we make the playoff. It's, I, I think we'll be fine. I think if we take care of business against Houston this week, make the playoff, I would think that we would be fine. I don't think that Fick will be going anywhere. But if for some reason we get fucked out of the playoff here this week, I, I, w- I don't know if I would blame him. I really wouldn't. What are you, I mean, what do you think about that? Um, I just, I don't know, man. Like, he just seems like, really loyal guy and he has definitely made a commitment to staying here uh he could have left a long time ago with um the michigan state opening and uh he yeah. didn't he chose to stay here and keep it going at uc and i think he's a man of integrity a man of faith that <laughs> those words have been um, bastardized recently but yeah of course i really think he's a guy that cares about his players he is not one of these guys that is just kind of up and leave now if you right. remember um when he took the job originally he still stayed on as the defensive coordinator at ohio state and coached them through their playoff appearance in that loss yeah. against clemson because he said, I made a commitment to those guys that I wanted to be there for them. And I think that's very admirable. And he is, I think we've realized over the last five seasons that he's probably one of the most level-headed, normal guys in college football. He's just hard on his sleeve too. Yeah. And he's just, I would think that loves coaching and is really a people person and really cares about what people uh, you know, what young people want from their lives. And I think he's not, He's not a Brian Kelly or a Butch Jones where they're just here to move on to the next job. I think he's really seen the value of staying and being able to be a part of something like this. And um, now if he eventually moves on to Notre Dame, I think we both know that that is one of his two jobs that he yep. uh, wanted to do, wanted to take eventually. The other one being Ohio State. And I think we just have to... I don't think we can really be upset by it because one, we knew the whole time. Two, we knew that he wasn't going to lead us on a wild goose chase or anything. Right. He was just gonna, you know, take a job like if it was the best possible situation for him and his family and at one of his dream schools, which I think is better than a lot of coaches who just take the next plane ticket out of town. And three, he brought the program back from 
near the near the depths because if Luke Fickle didn't bring back this football program, we might not be going to the Big Twelve right now. And yeah, you can true. say it's a you know we have the best we had the best facilities out of our conference. We had the best, um, you know, we have like we have a good budget compared with other uh, teams in the Big Twelve. But man, like it's kind of on like it's kind of all dependent on on him being a part of this and uh, coming here when he did in order to rebuild this program and to take it to new heights. And I think he's reached unprecedented heights here. We've gone 12 and 0 before, but not like this, not like in a spot where being able to play for a national championship in this sport that does not allow smaller schools to play for its national championship. Um, I think that's admirable. I think he should be really respected for that. And I think we should build a statue of him. We shouldn't build yeah. a statue of Brian Kelly, I don't think. I think we should build a statue of Luke Fickle for everything he did and his tireless efforts. Obviously, I don't want him to leave, but right. I think we all know the backup plan is, hey, Marcus Freeman, would you like to be the next head coach at the University of Cincinnati? Yeah. And whether Marcus says yes or no, I, I think he would say yes because um, – He's worked as a defensive coordinator for the past five seasons now, uh, six mm-hmm. if you count his last year at Purdue. And I think he is probably ready for that challenge of being the head guy. And you see right now is in a spot where I think you can recruit enough. And now Marcus would be tasked with leading us into the Big 12, and I think that would be tough. But if he can maintain some relationships from Notre Dame, if he can – maintain some relationships from his time here and put together a good staff to keep it rolling. He's going to recruit his ass off in order to get us to where we want to go. And maybe his dream job too was one day Notre Dame or Ohio state or Penn state, something within the Midwest. He and fickle are very like-minded. It's no secret that they are really good friends. So I think and that's just unfortunately right now it's one of those things about Cincinnati, but we can't act like woe is me because one, it's happening to everybody now. Like, you know, Oklahoma yeah. just got their head coach poached. Notre Dame just got their head coach poached. Like Yeah. I saw something that no Oklahoma head coach had left for another college job since nineteen forty seven. That's just wow. insane, you know? And yeah. Notre Dame, that doesn't really happen. They either fired guys or I think uh, Lou Holtz left there back in the 80s. But mm-hmm. in closing, I would really love Luke to stay, but uh, I saw this a lot with Notre Dame people yesterday, and I'm going to steal it because I think it's true. I root for, first and foremost, the school, the team, the players that wear that UC jersey. And yep, no matter who's the head coach, I'm going to root for the players. And obviously we can thank a coach for what he's done here. Uh, we all... We are very grateful to Brian Kelly for what he did here, Butch Jones, Mick Cronin, uh, Bob Huggins, and eventually if Luke Fickle uh, leaves and moves on, uh, we'll be very grateful to him. But the train keeps rolling uh, with a new conductor at the helm, and that's all that matters. And I think uh, people are just a little bit doom and gloom because we've seen this happen before, and I think Fickle is probably Notre Dame's number one choice. But to me, Justin... Until it happens, I think we just got to support our boys, you know? Uh, yeah. Support our team, support the guys wearing 
that Cincinnati logo for as long as they wear it, and that—that's really it. Like you know, just just support support these guys that have got you this far, and don't think about you know what could happen, what will happen. It's just think about the present and enjoy what we're having because this is an extremely special run that we don't know if it's going to be happening anymore once we move into a new conference. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you. I think you put a nice cherry on the top of there too with that comment, and I don't want to go back at all. But I have one last thing that I wanted to mention about this too, only because we didn't touch on it with the Brian Kelly thing, is that Lincoln Riley, I'm sure we can expect at least 9 mil, maybe 10. I don't know if they've released a contract or like salary estimation yet or salary um, proposal yet, but like Saban is near 10 mil. Brian Kelly, 10-year deal, 9.5 mil a year. Mel Tucker, same thing, 9.5 mil, 10, 10 years. Like Coaches are signing long contracts now, and I think it's in UC's best interest to load them up. Um, as our friend Connor would say, write that blank check. Just whatever number he wants to put on there, I think is in our best interest to retain him. I don't see... Luke is being a very money-hungry kind of guy. Um, but when a contract like that comes around, I mean, honestly, it's... It, and even if they were to, f- you know, fire you, I'm sure there's still buyouts. There's other things that they have to worry about. Um, when you get a contract like that, you're locking things up for a while. Um, so I think it would be in the Bearcats' best interest if they do sign some kind of large contract with him. Um, but again, we'll see what happens. Um I'm definitely on the um, side of thinking that we're, that we're going to be we're going to be better off um, with Fickle, but at the same time, I'm I'm with you on that too. Whereas whoever really is at the helm, I think will be I think will be good. I think we have enough of a system here. We have enough of recognition now too, and enough of a platform. And now that we're moving into a new conference, I think that we are in a position where, if say Freeman were to come back or whatever might happen, I think we'll be good either way. I think it might it might not feel as easy, but I think that we're still in a good spot uh, for sure. And you know, with whatever decision Luke makes, we obviously um, are grateful either way because he has given us way more than we ever expected, and he really like brought out the full arsenal throughout his you know time up until at this very moment. You see, he's given us literally every every moment we could possibly imagine. So I, I think that we're we are just in a spot where we just need to, like you said, hold tight, hope everything holds through, and hope Notre Dame doesn't, you know, try to throw 10 mil a year at him or something like that. Um, but I will say to the same point, I really don't think that they're going to... I think if him and Marcus are close enough friends and and have the kind of relationship that we all, you know, would think that they do... I really don't think that Fick would step on his toes if there's a possibility that they offer Freeman that head coaching job at Notre Dame. I just don't see Luke as being the type of guy that would, you know, go in and say, well, okay, well, they're going to offer me, so I'm going to take that position from you if, you know, that's the thing. I don't see them just switching places. I think that's a little bit of an unrealistic expectation for people. Um, obviously, he would be, Freeman would be our first choice. There's no way that he would accept uh, another. DC position, I don't think, at where he's at. I think he's in a position where he should be in a head coaching position. And I think that he is the guy that Notre Dame should take 
Um, from a non-biased perspective, I think that he's just done enough and he's shown that they've played well enough. I think he's the guy for that job. So, um, yeah, and, and so that's that's kind of everything with the, this head coaching carousel. We'll see how this develops, too, over the next few weeks um, and even into the end of the season. We're probably going to be talking about this more than once, um, you know, coming up in different episodes. But I, 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 th- I think this is going to be this is not going to be the last time you hear about this. Um, and hopefully, you know, we'll take care of business against Houston. Um, which is a perfect transition to roll into talking about Houston because we have that game this weekend. Um, currently sits at a ten and a half point spread against Houston, uh, which I th- I think is a bit wide, um, especially considering the defensive prowess of both teams. But I don't know. I I think Houston's good enough. I don't. I feel like this is going to be a tighter game than that, and I really just don't see how ten and a half is accurate. And clearly. It doesn't seem like the Bearcats are uh, playing in playing in line with the spread this year. So, what what are your thoughts here? Um, I was just going to pull up a couple numbers here that I saw on the old uh, TL today. So, Houston's uh, there. There's a, a guy called Stats of War on Twitter, and he puts out different uh, CFB graphics with uh, different advanced numbers for each mm-hmm. matchup. And so uh, most of these numbers on both sides are blue, which is positive, uh, different shades of blue, but uh, both are good blue numbers for each team. So uh, the thing that the only number that is in the red, though, is uh, Houston's offensive success rate in the running game. Uh, It is a 34.3% rushing success rate, good for 108th in the country. So... Um, not great. That's the big one for me. I'm not going to really read off more words, but I think that's the interesting one in that if we can stop the run, I don't think Houston is as good of a rushing team as Tulsa. Uh, I don't think Houston's as good of a rushing team as Tulane. Uh, ECU had the leading rusher uh, in the conference, and I don't. I'll check the stats, but I don't really remember them bashing us too constantly. So as long as we play the run well and defend well against the pass with our corners, I do think we have a good chance of shutting this Houston team down, especially at home, at Nippert, under the lights. I think we've got a good shot of pulling this one out. Yeah, um, I agree. I think that we've, we're in a position to um, definitely hit takeover mode in this game. But again, I am still on the side of I think this is a, I think it's a very even matchup personally. Um, if you look at a lot of the numbers too across the board, um, we're in a very similar position um, for the little bit that we might sacrifice um, in our in our run game, they make up for in passing. Um, but one thing that I'm actually just seeing now, and I don't know if you've seen this yet, I'm sure you probably have. Uh, I'm just now realizing that Des has exactly on the nose 3,000 yards this season, which is nuts. I just wanted to point that out because I thought that was a pretty cool number uh, to see that Des has hit that. I just now coming to this realization. Um, but yeah, I think our points per game and uh, points allowed, like I, I think we're just so similar 
um, so similarly stacked up and we have enough of a resume where I think um, aside from maybe like the Notre Dame game, I think it's pretty similar and SOS as well. Um, I don't know. I, I think, I think we should be taking care of business here and I think we should be fine. But um, at the same time, even if we could hit takeover mode, maybe throw up some points uh, similarly to what we did against SMU, I think Houston's defense would probably be too strong. Um, and I still think picking against a 10 and a half point spread is a bit dangerous. <laughs> Yeah, I agree, and I realize that this may be a similar game to last year and the conference championship game where yep. Tulsa yep. kind of gave us the business, and Tulsa was a 17-point underdog, but you see one on, obviously, a last-second field goal. So I'm not out of the possibility of saying this could be another close game for the yep. Bearcats, but I, I think it would be another another game for us to show that we can win convincingly, and I just hope that there are no um, outside distractions getting into that uh, that locker room this week. And yeah, this is something too that I think Luke and the team have gotten a lot better at is that since that Ohio State game where they didn't let the players talk to the media in 2019, mm-hmm. I feel like the locker room has been a lot looser and a lot more chill. Um, and yeah, like just about uh, how they handle things and how Luke handles things as well. And I think that's just interesting because they like they might have been a little bit more tight in previous games and I think that year obviously they were not as good as they were in 2020 for sure and then in 2021 um they they probably weren't as good. They weren't they didn't have enough talent and that's why those games were closer. I think this year though the way that we've seen this team play and how they have not uh, gotten rattled at any point and they've held their medal and stayed calm. I think it can be a close game, but I'm still supremely confident in the Bearcats. For sure. One, one last thing that I have to about previewing Houston here. Um, for those of you who don't know, Houston played UConn and uh, just played UConn and they let, those Huskies score 17 points. I want to know how, how the hell that happened. I don't care if it's garbage time. UConn is a trash product. I will take that to my grave. I still have all the hate in the world for UConn. Um, I, I, I can't stand them. I, their fan base is just awful to me. And I hope that there's one UConn fan out there listening who just never listens to this again. But um, yeah. That that if UConn can score seventeen on Houston, I think we could we should put up even more numbers. I take back my thing on the spread. If they let them score seventeen points, we should be blowing them out by fifty. That's a bit rash. I think we should probably win by two scores though. Two score two score over the top. We'd we'd have to we'd have to find finite our uh, predictions here, which I actually don't have a list put together at the moment. But um, I think if between that. And if anything against, you know, their game that they had against SMU too this year where they did end up winning and gave SMU their first loss, um, that was a tight game as well. And I don't know. I think the Bearcats... Bearcats could show us anything in this game. I think no matter what, though, it's a W. I think that is a certified prediction that I will throw on the table. The Bearcats are walking away with a W this week and we're putting the stamp on a 13-0 and season. And then we just wait for the playoff. And then we just have to win two straight. You know what? I, 
I want to. I'm. This is. I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna knock on wood as an in case for you superstitious people, and I'm not gonna put any bad juju in the air here. But do you know how good the 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 tone, the sweet sweet ring of of just just the melodic sound of fifteen and O. You know how clean that sounds. Just sounds imagine beautiful. it with me for a second. Just just imagine with me. Your wind's in the meme? hair. <laughs> is this the meme where uh, if CF if if this were different, then we would be living in an advanced society right now? Yes, the utopia. <laughs> we would be living in an absolute utopia. There would be no war. There would be no world hunger. There would be no. There would there would be no fighting. The world would be bliss if the Bearcats had a perfect fifteen and zero season. I'm just, oh, I'm 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 just living in the moment right now. I'm just taking it all in, enjoying the moment, because I know that it's going to be a lot more difficult than that. But there would be statues, there would be expansions, there would be couches. Imagine all the couches that would burn in Clifton. Holy shit. Dude, Clifton Clifton they would be flying like a helicopter over Clifton and you would just see like half the city on fire if that were to happen. I I know population. I I know Clifton would go rowdy if we won a national championship. There would that party would last for weeks. That would be awesome. an endless party, especially like because that would be I guess Let's see, when would the national championship game be? Like, what would the actual date be? Do we know? Uh, I, I guess it would be... It would, it would be, be right when students come back after winter break, I would think. Yeah, because I remember that being a thing for Ohio State, that they had that... Ohio State does that thing where they have, like, Monday, the Monday after... Uh, the, the first Monday of the semester off, uh, each yeah. semester. So, but the national championship game... Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, Indiana. Is that's a January home game 10th, too, by the way, folks. Yeah, that's a home. So game. We played Georgia. That's a home game. That's a home game for the Bearcats. And you better believe my ass will be there. I'll be sitting anywhere I can get a seat in that stadium. I'll be screaming my ass off if we get there. If there like were I'm ever just a game to blow all your money on. That's the game, yeah, maybe. No kidding. I mean, I, I really think that we'd have a supreme advantage. And the Bearcats travel pretty well. We clearly saw that with South Bend. Um, I, think we could, I think we could fill up a good chunk of that, uh, of, of Lucas Oil. And, I, and, and, you know, clearly we have plenty of new fans this year, too. We got fans all over the country now. This isn't just some local, you know, college town kind of team. Cincinnati is a lot bigger than people realize it is. And I think with the platform we have now, we have a lot of fans, too. Um, and we have a lot of people rallying us behind us, but again, none of that happens if we don't take care of business this week against Houston, which we absolutely need to do. Um, so we're crossing our fingers, hoping for the best. Hopefully we come back here next week, right on Tuesday. We're actually planning a little get together with some of our old members of the podcast, some of our old friends and voices that you guys might recognize, um, for those of them who can make it, but, um, Hopefully we're sitting here next week and we're partying. I'm gonna pop some champagne. I think I think that's worthwhile. If we make the CFP, is it worth sh- popping some champagne? Oh yeah. I mean, it's got to happen. We gotta we gotta crack some beers. Get drunk on like a Tuesday night or Sunday. We'll get drunk on a Sunday. 
Sunday That's afternoon, fine. baby. It'll be the, the it'll be the rowdiest Zoom call that I've ever had by far. Get chocolate wasted on a Saturday night. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. I'm a, I, I I thought about traveling down for this game, but it's like I just came down for Thanksgiving, and it's like I ju- and I'm going right back down for Christmas again. It's like. That's so many trips, and I just can't do it. So I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be clipping. I'm going to make sure that we're on top of our business there because I know you all love your clips. So Viva La Cats will be Clip Central this weekend as well. And for, you know, for the rest of the football season for sure. But regardless, we do need to start rolling back over to basketball here real quick. Um, not a lot of points to make, especially considering we covered just about everything this weekend um, with that bonus episode. but. We didn't get a chance in that last episode to preview Miami. Um, the Bearcats will be traveling to Millette Hall to take on the Red Hawks. And uh, the Red Hawks are currently favored in that in a 61% um, matchup, I believe. I'd have to look at this again. Yeah, 61%, uh, which I feel like is a bit steep, even though it's a home game. I feel like the Bearcats have looked pretty, uh, pretty good. But one important number to note, other than the spread, which currently sits at two and a half, is that at this very moment, no matter the competition, Miami is averaging 85 points a game, which is hella offense. That's a lot of buckets. And the Bearcats um, do just need to keep pace. And I think that, I think that um, you know, their defense seems to be pretty similar. They clearly haven't played in Arkansas yet. They clearly haven't played in Illinois yet. Um, but regardless, they are scoring. So I think that's one thing that we really have to make sure we focus on this week. Um, but let me see what you got, Steve. What are, what are your thoughts against this game? Um, I am uh, not very... I mean, I, I mean I'm, sure, I'm surely confident about it. Like I think the Bearcats can pull it out. And as long as Wes... Uh, gets the guys focused again. I think we have a chance to play well. Hopefully John Newman is back in the starting lineup and yep. um, able to play, able to go. I think also the thing, too, is that Miami probably has been playing many good teams. I will check their schedule just to fact-check myself. It's not great. It really isn't great. I'll be okay. honest. Georgia Tech looks like their best competition, and that's just off of a, that's just off of a no-look Take a shot. Uh, they played two teams. Um, I don't even know. Heidelberg and Defiance, which I recognize the name Defiance. I don't remember where they're from, but I recognize that name. But they mollywopped both, both of those. Yeah. Yes. They mollywopped both of those teams uh, with a 90-point game and then a 99-point game. Almost got the 100-burger against Defiance. Uh, but regardless, neither of those teams even have a logo on ESPN's website. So yeah, if that D2 says D2. anything, yeah. Oh, that D, uh, Miami using D two teams to prop up the scoring average just a little bit. Oh yeah, I see. of course. <laughs> um, so I just learned something interesting that uh, in the overall rivalry in basketball, um, UC leads the overall rivalry uh, by ninety five to fifty two. I didn't know they played that often. I guess it. Makes I didn't sense. either. But um, it looks like they played pretty consistently throughout. Like our history, um, the last time the Bearcats visited uh, Millette Hall was in 2010, uh, a 64 to 48 win for the Bearcats. 
Bearcats have won 13 straight against Miami. Um, but Miami does hold uh, a slight advantage at at in Miami uh, against us. They hold a 34 and 33 record against the Bearcats in Oxford. So um, I don't really anticipate us playing this game much anymore, uh, especially in football, definitely not in basketball, since there is a 10-year gap between the last two times we played them. But hopefully this is a game where the Bearcats can get back on track. And I, I'm not... Justin, I'm not going to say I'm worried about Miami. I'm just worried about, well, not really worried, I guess, uh, but there's always kind of a, a fear in the back of my mind that what if it happens again? What if we drop this game? And, like, what's going to happen? Now, I don't think it will. I'm, I'm I'm fairly certain and confident that we have better athletes and players than Miami, but Justin, I watched a game once during the UC Dance Marathon in 2015 I walked in for the second half just to get a break from the dance marathon. Uh, it was a back then it was 24 hours yeah, um, of straight dancing. So I just needed to get away, take a break. So I walked from the rec center to the, the old fifth third where we were playing against Tulane mm-hmm. and the Bearcats put up a bucket late in the game to go up by one. And then I saw Tulane put up a half court buzzer beater and drain it, win the game and ever since then, my confidence against good teams, no matter who we are, uh, is absolutely shot. So, <laughs> I like this is for all sports in general. Yeah. Like, I I watched a few like a couple times in high school. Our football team was not very good. Um, I played on a very bad uh, high school hockey team. None of my teams were ever like that good. So, I I guess I didn't really have an innate confidence to begin with. But once you see your team lose. In a terrible way, like a buzzer beater or uh, one game in high school, we lost to Coleraine. Uh, Elder lost to Coleraine um, on a missed extra point in overtime. And uh, that was. Oh, uh, yeah. No bueno. Not good. Yeah. Um, so I just. Not, not not that you guys were an inferior team, but like Tulane <laughs> that one year was an inferior team. And I see what um, you're saying. I pick the up buzzer beater against down. us. Yeah. Well, and like I watched, I was at the Butler game too, and uh, mm-hmm. I think it was 2017 uh, at UC, and yeah. or uh, 2016 at UC, and uh, yeah. Roosevelt Jones, who somehow was in college for seven years, uh, came <laughs> down right down and scored the bucket on us. So, when you've seen pain in person, it hurts much more, and it just sticks in your mind. You're like, oh, wait, 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 seeing that. You were in Nashville, weren't you? Yeah, you don't. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> we're not. We're not gonna go there. We're not gonna go there. I just. I just wanted to make sure that people understand what your definition of pain is, because that's a very lax definition of pain. And what I just mentioned is a whole different level of pain. That is a four-hour drive home of pain. <laughs> but we're not gonna to mention make, that. That that, that tried did, to make me. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. That year right. didn't happen. That year didn't yes, happen. That's true. Remember, you weren't even there. I, I was just asking. <laughs> If you would have thought about going, if they if the if the tournament happened that year, if you would have thought about going, I just wanted to make sure we were on the same page there. But yeah. but re- regardless, here I have one thing that I'm going to say every single episode from here on out. Mark my words, cross my heart, and swear to die. Freeze and threes, make those. You're fine. If you can make those two things. The Bearcats win. If you don't, you get Arkansas. 
if you don't, you get Monmouth. If you don't, you lose to any other team. This team clearly through at least the first seven games that we've had has shown us if you take care of business in those two statistical categories, whether or not you like statistics, if you take care of business in those two categories, I think the Bearcats pull it out. And if you don't, well, shit, you probably like had an 85-90 overtime game that was just crazy because the Bearcats don't score a crazy amount, at least not this year. We've scored high just against really Alabama A&M, but if, if, if you take care of that, I think we'll be golden. And, and so that is my only advice for the team against Miami, if I could just say anything, is just that. Um, I am curious. We'll, we'll, I think we're going to start dropping our predictions from the podcast because it does take up so much extra time. And honestly, we're towards the tail end of the clock anyways, and I don't think many people probably... listen to it um especially consistent to twitter uh but for that same point i do who you think is going to be the points leader in this game and then who is probably going to be give it that um points leader i think Mikey is of the season so far was when he was playing well and the defense played well um, to compliment him. So I will go with Mikey Saunders. We'll see and one. then just a final score. I will say the Bears will score 65 and I okay. I like that. That's good. I'll jump right on that train. Um, I'm. I, w- I would love to say anybody other than um, Davenport, but my only concern is the fact that he did not go off in the past two games, and he's had a very abnormally quiet last two games. And for that reason alone, I think he's going to come back angry, and I think he's going to beat up some red-tailed hawks. And I think he's going to take care of some business there. So I think I think Davenport's going to get it back on track. He just had a couple off games against Arkansas and Monmouth and just couldn't get it going. And I think if he hits his shots, which he just really couldn't land much the past few games, I think if he hits those shots, he'll be our points leader. If not, maybe a second there. I'd say maybe Vic or Odie sneaks up here because I think they've been quietly doing a lot of work. Um, so... I would like to see one of those guys score a lot too. But uh, if I were going to give a final score prediction here as well, I would say I'm going to roll 68 cats, 55 Miami. I think I think from what I've seen from Miami's schedule, um, as much as they look the part when it comes to the record, their schedule does no convincing to me. When you play the you know teams that they have so far, I just don't see anything that really matches up comparatively to what we've played. And again, anything can happen on any given night in college basketball. But regardless, I think the Bearcats will. I think the Bearcats will have no issue in this game. 
hope not. Let's hope not. Yeah, let's hope not. We really don't want to have to deal with a five and three team. I think that would be. I, I think we were way too high in the in that Hall of Fame classic, and I really would not like to start being more critical of this team. I liked where we were, where I, there was just nothing but good things to say. So hopefully <laughs> we keep it that way. I agree. I I'm kind of hoping that uh, we return to rolling and uh, we're able to roll on in to the crosstown uh, crosstown shootout uh, with. Only one loss. So um, I'm just thinking about that game because if everything holds, if, knock on wood, um, the amount of thought being given to the Crosstown shootout that week be an all-time low among the UC fan base just because... No kidding. ...how much thought is being given to the matchup in a potential playoff game. So um, I... I've always wondered if that would make Xavier fans mad that we finally <laughs> just like, okay, like we understand this is the rivalry. This is the big thing, but this huge thing just happened over here. Yeah. And we're so excited about that. So uh, I think that'd be funny though, if they got upset. I do have one last question for you on this specific topic. Maybe we're going to cover this more when we get to the Crosstown shootout because that is coming up. Don't forget that, folks. But do you think, in a very quick answer, do you think that the Xavier rivalry has kind of lost its shine as of recent? In no, the past couple no, of years. No. I don't like that argument, and I've seen Moegger make it every year, and I don't like it because, <laughs> one... We know that both schools hate each other still. This is yep. what both schools think about. And as the rivalry gets into the Big 12, we're still going to be recruiting those top players against them. And even more mm-hmm. so now that we're going to join a power conference with them. And there's only a certain amount of kids that will want to play in a power conference. And it's going to be between us, Ohio State, and Xavier, and obviously Indiana. UK recruits a different type of kid, but... Uh, Louisville as well. We're all in the power conference basketball sphere right now. And mm-hmm. like, I, the, the thing to me that I think people are like, oh, it's not the same as it was, is like people aren't saying shit like, oh, they wouldn't start for us anymore. Like, uh, yeah. you know, th- there's not a level of hate to the rivalry anymore. Yeah. And I didn't like that. Uh, the rivalry got moved to U.S. Bank and it cooled off for a couple of years mm-hmm. because, like, I mean, I'm sure it was a bad look for both schools and they tried to figure something out, but rivalries are not supposed to be cute and cuddly, Justin. They're supposed to be nope. hate-filled and angry and, like, bragging rights for 365 days a year. And D-cell batteries. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I, I Please, don't fans, don't throw D-cell batteries. Yeah, well, yeah, don't do that. That's just, <laughs> don't like, do that. People. But, like... I I still think there's a level of hate between the fans, and while I am definitely not as much of a everyday f them type of guy anymore, yeah, there is still a level of me that wants to beat them, wants to beat them in Centos for like the second time since that building opened, and wants to just tell them to shut up for a year because this is mm-hmm. their only sport, this is all they care about. And they can claim to not care about this game all they want. I know they care about this game. Justin, we know Xavier fans. We know they care about this game. It's the only thing they care about. 
Yeah, exactly. And now they're in the Big East. They got other big games to worry about. But this is both teams' Super Bowl. And I'm fine with saying that it's ours too because usually in conference play, like we don't really have that many games to look forward to. Now, Houston and Memphis are both really good. But mm -hmm. you can't convince me that a crosstown rival is not going to be hated just because, you know, they've won however many games over the past few years. And look, right. I'll agree maybe that it's lost some of the luster because Xavier has been better than us over the past 20 years. They made more Sweet 16s, Elite 8s. But man, like, I still want to beat those guys with every bone in my body. And it's not like we're on like a 10 nothing run against them. Like, yeah. we've beat them two times in the past five years, is it? And both of those coming at home, obviously. But, man, I just, I just don't like the argument that we just, that it's lost its luster because I think that while it's not on the level, well, I, while I think it should be on the level as a rivalry like Duke and uh, North Carolina or Kentucky and Louisville, it might not be on that same level, but there's still a level of thought in the mind of both fan bases, at least once a year before that game that, oh, those guys, I hate those guys. And yeah, I watched Xavier games hoping that they would lose. And I, I know I was, in that, I was in that house too. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I know Xavier fans that watch UC to see them lose. And I think that's great. I think that's an awesome thing about the rivalry is that Xavier has a bunch of trolls that are constantly trolling UC and UC has a bunch of people that are constantly trolling X, and I think it's just gotten to a different place, which I'm not sure I'm a fan of. Like uh, when Xavier fans like bought like that cameo from Mick last year uh, and oh, talking yeah. about that stuff, that was it was kind of interesting. Uh, and like I think all of Xavier's jokes are cringeworthy, and I hate them. I think they're tacky, and <laughs> I, I have never thought they're. Barstool Viceroy was as good as our uh, our group and what we were doing. Absolutely not. I always thought they were tacky. I always like did not like what they did. Is that because they went to Xavier? Possibly, but just from a standpoint, I think I think also UC is kind of backed off from it too because the past couple of years we've been in conference championship season. That mm -hmm. one day where we played Xavier and Memphis yep. at the same time. <laughs> I think a lot of people's attention was directed toward football. I don't think a lot of people's attention was directed toward basketball on that day. Um, that was an oath day too, by the way. It was at the same time too. Like yeah. what the hell? I don't know. Again, athletic department, get your scheduling shit together. No, I blame Xavier for that. Xavier, <laughs> well, that's yeah. Xavier did that's that. Fair. Yeah, that's a good point. Because they want it. They don't want it in conference play. They want it on a Saturday before conference play. They don't UC want to play us in really January. Yeah, I, you see, I think it should be played in like January, February. Get those teams yeah. better. Like uh, that one game that you and I were at uh, in, I think it was 16, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it was the 26, yeah, 16, 17 season where it was yep. like in in February. And uh, the that was the classic uh, Chris Mack quote of, we got our ass kicked on the glass uh, yep. you know, after that game. And that felt like such a... Uh, it was UC's first home win since the rivalry left campuses. And I remember that was such a euphoric moment for mm -hmm. like the Cincinnati fan base. And 
That was the Jaron game where he went off. That was also the Trayvon Blewett game where he scored 40 points, but the Bearcats still won. It was like Troy Copain walking off in his final uh, shootout as a senior. There's a history and a lore behind this game that I just don't like that people are like, like, I like Mo Egger for mostly everything else (laughs) that he does, but I just, I just never understood why he thinks that like, Rivalry is not the same. Like, have you seen us talk trash on Twitter with them all year? <laughs> like, come yeah. on now. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that too. I I wanted to bring it up because I had been thinking about that recently. Just with you know, with football being the way it has been the past few years, um, there's definitely a lot of people too that just don't pay attention to it as much. But I will say to the same point, that doesn't mean that it's lost its luster. Um, and I think that. COVID definitely made things seem a little bit more difficult uh, because we just, like, we came off a year where we went straight from, you know, conference championship to then conference championship again. But now you have COVID. And then now you're, like, trying to figure thing, everything else out. And I think this is going to be the year where it's really going to, like, I hope it kicks back up to its, like, I, I, I don't think this lost its luster, and I'm not saying that it has, but I do think that it's not quite as um, aggressive as it was. And I think that's just because we lost the face of J.P. Makura. I have to say, like, J.P. and Trayvon were just, as, as fans, I think as people, we'll let people decide whatever their opinion is on them as people, but as fans to players, you see fans hated both of those two, especially J.P. McCura. He was the most hateable player other than maybe David West, I think, that has ever... And Jacob Fries as well, that has ever come through Xavier. And I think that is just something that, like, there hasn't been that, like, I feel like that marquee player where everybody's like, I know this guy even if I don't watch UC basketball. Or, or like, even if I don't watch the Crosstown, I know who this guy is on the other team because people talk about him that much, because people hate him that much. I think we're missing that person now. Um, but I think this is the perfect year for, we, we got to find somebody, man. We, got, we just got to start picking at him. I don't know what it is, but I think, I think we need to, uh, I think we need to make sure that everybody's got their attention on that game this year too, because though football is going to be in its absolute prime at that time, I don't want people to forget exactly what this is, because at least for me, I remember that like 16 year when, you know, we walked off that court. Like there was so many roller coasters in that game. For me, that was my peak game because that was like my favorite crosstown ever. Because that was also like that was my first crosstown as a student too. Um, an official like UC student. So for me, that was like my peak. And then of course it's been kind of rocky since then. Um, but to me, I don't think it's lost its luster either. But I definitely think that uh this is the recharge year too for this rivalry. So I'm hoping that's what we see. I'm hoping that we see a lot of like, you know, jawing back and forth. And I want to see the players get into it. And I want to make sure that Xavier knows that this ain't their town. Remember, they're from Norwood. They're not even from, from Cincinnati. They're not in our jurisdiction. They're out. I will still make it's that argument. called Xavier, Ohio for a reason. And there's a reason why nobody knows who the hell Xavier is. Especially when you're talking about anything other than basketball. And even people who talk basketball don't know who Xavier is. So with that, I think that's a good point to leave that off on. 
Again, thank you guys for listening. And also, just a quick shout-out, too, for any of you who do follow us on Twitter. Uh, thank you for the support. Glad that you guys have enjoyed the uh, spicy memes as of recent. Been trying to crank those out. Um, and I'm <laughs> Hopefully you guys have enjoyed those because they've definitely kept me entertained even just making them. So um, it's been nice to see. The account has grown pretty quickly. Uh, we're seeing some uptick in listeners too. So make sure to keep sharing us with your friends. Make sure to keep checking in every week. Um, we appreciate the support from you guys as well. Um, but that's all we've got for you this week. Again, hopefully we'll come back next week um, with an absolute party for you guys. Uh, we're going to give a live reaction to the final CFP rankings, seeing where the Bearcats land. And I, I think it's going to be fun. So make sure to check us out on Twitter at VivaLaCatsPod if you aren't already following us. And make sure to follow us on Spotify or Apple Pods or wherever you listen. And also make sure to check us out at UC Uniforms for all the up-to-date UniTracker info from Steve. That's all I've got. Steve, why don't you send us off with one shining quote? There was a fork in the road, so I decided to pick it up. Uh, that's from the great Yogi Berra. Uh, Luke Fickle, if you experience a fork in the road, I hope you just pick it up and back to Cincinnati. I hope you all know I put him on the spot. That was not planned at all. That was a great quote, Steve. Well done. We'll see you guys next week. Hopefully, we're going to be partying. Take care, guys. Go Bearcats. Oh, Bearcats.